Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, we're continuing on in this series of messages called Blindsided, and we're talking about, we're spending seven weeks looking at some issues that sort of hit us unexpectedly in life, things that sneak up on us, things like cynicism, pride, disconnection, like being disconnected, uh, emptiness. And so today we're going to look at is the subject of burnout and how we can be blindsided, caught off guard, and and find ourselves burnt out in life. And so just so we're on the same page, here's what burnout is. It's, It's exhaustion of physical or emotional strength, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. Burnout causes people to just uh, have some physical, sometimes there's a real physical toll it takes on your body, emotional toll uh, on your body. And so oftentimes you don't realize you're burnt out until you're deep into burnout and you're like, something ain't right about me. I'm not acting uh, like I normally do. And so, and you can just tell something is, is off. Maybe you're more frustrated, more stressed, more physically fatigued. Uh, if you're a parent, you probably know burnout, or at least you've experienced points of burnout where you're trying to muster up the strength and energy to deal with all that's on your plate, and it's difficult. I remember as a when I had my first son, when we had our first child 16 years ago almost, it was, it was tiring for the both of us, and we, we had different roles we could both play, but we were both all in it, and it was very exhausting. And there was still life needed to go on, so other things needed to happen. And so on top of this new responsibility were all the normal responsibilities, and that was, that was just an exhausting season. When we launched this church, it was an exhausting season for, for many of us here. And, and some of you have been along that journey for many years, and so you understand that. At one point, I had this crazy idea that I should remodel my house and uh, do most of it myself. And so called some friends. We got jackhammers, and we tore up all the floors. And then it was like, all right, time to rebuild. <laughs> And I chose the wood floor that required a glue adhesive instead of like a, a, a floating floor, which might have been a smarter choice for me. But it, glue, glue down. So it took me like a year and a half to redo all the flooring in my house. Um, and it was just over time. It didn't actually take that long. It just over time, and as we could buy more of the floor, we'd put more in. But it was just this exhausting experience. Some of you have done that before. You've, you've set out to do projects that you're like, Sound like a really good idea on the front end. <laughs> and then you're somewhere in the middle and you're just like, why did I do this? So I'm sure you can relate to this on some level. What, what causes burnout in your life? Here's some pictures to maybe stir some ideas. <laughs> maybe if we have any tired parents in here where you're feeling just over fatigued and, and, and it's hard, it's just hard to get up each day. It's hard to like, you know, get dressed now. It's hard to do the, the normal menial tasks of your day. You're having a hard time. Or maybe you're just deep in your career and there's just demands and the piles keep growing. And just when you get caught up, more work piles on and you just can't seem to dig out. And it seems like the work week is spilling over into the weekend and the weekend somehow is shrinking. And so you're, you're, you're struggling in that way. Uh, we've been setting up and tearing down as a church for all of our years, 11 plus years now. And so maybe you're burning out. Maybe you feel this sense of it's really hard to, to set up and tear down every week. And, you know, if you're responsible for building backdrops or the gymnasium or your, your brewing coffee. There's different things that can happen. You can really be feeling burnout. We're actually really trying to pay attention to this area of how are our volunteers doing? How are our church family feeling? You know, what's the level of stress? Because there's a lot that is required to do what we do. And so that's 
something you know that prompted about a, a year ago for us to begin to set money aside for a future permanent home for for our church because we sense uh, at some point we're going to need to have something permanent and something that we could just show up to and not set up and so I mean there'll be plenty to do in those days I'm sure we'll have plenty of other roles to do but most of our manpower is spent on building and ripping down and we'd like to eventually be able to transition into something uh, different but for now we're, we're setting up and tearing down and so that can create burnout a burnout experience for some people if you're a student, you might be just, your heads in, are, are literally in the books. And uh, maybe not right now because it's the break right now. So it's summer break for most. Summer about to hit summer. But there's this rush of assignments and activities and deadlines. And you, you, you don't want to miss anything. You don't want to miss out on anything. And so however you relate to this area of burnout, uh, I want to I see if you might be heading in this direction. So here's some signs to be looking out for to see if you're burning out. So number one, your passion fades for what you're doing. Think about what you really enjoy in life and the ways that you have found joy. Maybe your passion is, is sort of waning a little bit. Or, or you're numb. There's another sign. You're numb. Meaning you're having a harder time experiencing relating to the highs of life. There's these things that were like, yes, I just can't wait till this experience happens. You hit the experience of the highs and it's not very exciting anymore. So you're having a hard time relating to the highs and even relating to the lows. When lows hit other people, you're struggling to sort of to 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 uh, to go there because there's a numbness maybe you feel uh, coming over you. Third, little things make you disproportionately emotional. I'm not angry. I'm not why I'm not shouting. Or I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know what's I can't pinpoint. I don't know why I'm I don't know why I'm dealing with this sadness. I don't know why I'm dealing with this or that, but little things sort of create a disproportionate effect on us. Or people and tasks drain you. Here's the fourth sign. People drain you, tasks drain you. If you're a people person, do people drain you right now? You're like, I'm a people person. Why are, why, why are they bothering? Why is this bothering me so much? Or I'm a task person. I love, I love the tasks, and then I, I, the tasks are just wearing me down. Or you become more and more cynical. We talked about cynicism the first week of this series, and cynicism can lead to uh, this burnout. So you become more and more cynical. Six, nothing satisfies you. You used to be able to do things to energize your life, and it's just it's hard to find satisfaction in anything right now. Or, or seven, you can't think straight. Just having a hard time focusing, having a hard time knowing what to put your energy towards. Eight, productivity is dropping. The output is not the same. Maybe, maybe people are actually coming alongside, maybe people at work saying, hey, you know what? Something's off with you. You used to put out this amount of work, and now the work productivity level is, is at this level. What's going on? And you're like, I, I don't know, but I, I understand what they're saying. Or, or this, you're self-medicating. You decide on, on how you're going to cope. Some people choose food, drinking, prescriptions. Ten, you find yourself not laughing anymore. Just the joy 
You know, it's hard to find it. Go watch a movie. You know, sometimes you think, I just need a good movie. I need a good comedy. You watch the movie, you're like, it's not doing it for me. Sleep. Sleep and time off no longer refuel you. You need a little more sleep. I need, need another vacation. I need extended weekend. And it's just like you, you, you're done with all that. And you're like, mm, still feeling this way. So if you identify with just a few of these, you might just be busy and stressed, but not necessarily burning out. But if you identify with almost all of these, like I had one guy come and tell me after service, he said, on almost all of those, I could identify. He said, not with the self-medicating, but on almost all of these. I can identify. If, if that's you, you might be rapidly heading towards burnout. Now, the good news is wherever you are, God wants to help you. Here, here's why he can help you, and this is at the top of your listening guide, is that God never burns out. God himself never burns out, and he alone can renew our strength. God's people understood weariness, and they understood burnout. If you study the lives of, of the people of Israel and their forming nation, uh, you, you can see how they understood fatigue and being tired. Their history involved some, some pretty difficult things. They were, they were slaves in Egypt for years. And then after being enslaved in Egypt, they were released from slavery miraculously. God led them out of slavery through Moses as the deliverer. But then they land in the, the, the wilderness and the desert, and they're wandering. So there's this period of slavery, and then there's this period of wandering. And then they had to fight war after war in order to possess the promised land. God had given them the promised land. He said, I'm leading you towards this land. It will be a good land that I'll bless. But in order to uh, take possession of land, there was this conquest period that just meant war. And so that's exhausting. People died. It was painful. And then once they get into their land, they had to deal with the threat of invasion from outsiders. And so once they're in the land, there are people in the surrounding uh, lands that want that land or that want to raid them because there's good things in that land. And so they're constantly watching the hillsides to see which army's coming over the ridge to raid them. There was raiders that were constantly coming in and taking what they could from them. And so they're exhausted from that. And then at a certain point, because of discipline, they got off track. They stopped following God's commands. They didn't love God and keep his commands like he, he told them to do. Because of that, God sent in an army to invade them. So they had an invasion from the Assyrians who, who uh, dominated them and brought them under siege in their own land. And then, to top it all off, Isaiah the prophet basically told them, look, the Assyrians, they're pretty bad. Well, there's another army coming. A more massive army that's coming. And they're actually going to invade you. The Babylonians would come and invade uh, the land. And they would destroy the land, destroy the temple, and carry off many of your people into exile. And so this was like a new prophet or a new prophecy of what was coming. And so imagine these, these sort of highs and lows of, of the nation of Israel. Seeing God come through, part the waters, the Red Sea. Seeing God deliver lands and give them victory and armies, but then actually dealing with the attack of all these different things and the ups and downs of the experience. So this group of people really understood fatigue. They understood burnout as well. So Isaiah, the prophet, he was in God's prophet in about the 7th century B.C. He comforted God's people by speaking some words of hope to them. So let's look at this passage from Isaiah 40. 
verses 28 through 31. Isaiah tells him, do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord? He is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, look, God is not like the idols of the land. All, the, all these lands had idols. He's not like those, those gods. He's, he's, even, he's not like those powerful kings that had conquered. He is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. In fact, he has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal. His command, at his command, he would speak. And he created all that we see and know. He is the everlasting God. And he will not grow tired. That's the thing about our God. He's Isaiah saying, look, I know you're tired, but God will not grow tired. He will not grow weary. His understanding, no one can fathom. Remember, God has a track record. He never relaxes. He's always watching over his people. And he's working in ways that we cannot fully understand, but he's with us. That God is with us. And then he gives more hope. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Again, Isaiah just told him, the Babylonians are about to come and, and do more damage and carry people off. But he tells them after this prophecy that God will be with them. He'll give you strength. If you're tired, if you're weary, he'll increase your power. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. It doesn't seem possible that young people are going to run out of energy, right? You ever watch someone who's really youthful and you're like, man, they just can't keep going, going, going. I don't know if you put yourself in that category still. But, you know, even young people grow tired and weary. But in verse 31, he says, but those who hope in the Lord. So regardless of who you are, if you're tired right now, or if you're a youth and you're not tired yet, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not, and not be faint. That's available to you and to me. Yeah, Isaiah is saying, look, when we're at our weakest point, God can give strength. He can give might. He can give power to re-energize and refresh and renew us. God alone has never-ending power and strength, and he can grant this to us if we'll put our hope in him. And this isn't just like a one-time, I did that in college once. It was great. I turned to God. I put my hope in him once. And he brought some, like a lift. And uh, it was good. No, this is actually describing our ability to actively and regularly turn to God to ask him to supply what we need in life when we're burning out or when we are burnt out. God is there. When you're looking at, you know, with tired eyes at the fact that it's about Monday morning, God is there. He can renew your strength. This is actually a daily opportunity to have our strength renewed by the everlasting God. So let's get real practical. What does this look like? If you're burnt out or, or burning out, here's how you come back from burnout. Number one, turn to him. From that verse 31 there, turn, turn to God. Put your hope in him. Literally, before you turn anywhere else, turn to God. Where do you go first when you're wiped out? I'll just reenact some of our lives. (sighs) Coffee. Coffee. I need you. You turn there? Or you just... 
hey, let's talk. You know, do you turn there? Do you turn to friends? Do you turn to coffee? Do you, where else do you turn? Turn to God first. Before friends, before coffee, before alternatives, go to God. Turn to Him in prayer. Ask Him for strength. Open up His Word. Ask Him to speak to you fresh and receive direction from Him. That's those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That He is our never-ending source of supply for strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we turn to God in our weariness, He answers with direction from His Word. It's, it's like our playbook in life. We turn to it and we're like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. When we get into His Word, He speaks to it to us. We have to slow down sometimes. I mean, a lot of times we're like, okay, I'm looking and, well, too busy to, to really slow down. We've got to slow down let God's word speak to us. But when we look to his word, which is our playbook, and when we start running those plays in real life and obeying his word, we find that he supplies this supernatural strength. It's rising up in us. That's what Isaiah is describing. That even for a group of people carried out of their land as exiles in a foreign land, they could find strength rising from the inside from the everlasting God. So, so begin right there. If you've never, and if you're here and you're like, you know, I've never ever experienced that kind of lift ever, then the question is, have you ever t- turned to God? Maybe, you, maybe you're, you're just in your own power, still trying to go through life, and it's, maybe it's time to unhook the trailer and put your trailer, put your life on on God, and say, God, I need you to move me forward. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this in my own strength, but turn to God. That's that's where. This starts. Next, if you're, if you're burning out or you're totally burned out, then rest. Rest. This may seem obvious, but when we're busy, we don't, we don't often stop and evaluate the area of rest in our lives. God himself models the cycle of work and of rest. Look at Genesis 2. In the days of creation, by the seventh day, after God had finished creating everything, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. He made it a holy day because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. God never stops working in our lives. He never stops working. In fact, God is always sustaining. The Bible teaches that God is sustaining through his power all things. He sustains us. He sustains everything he's created. And God is always working in that way. In the world, out of love for us, he sustains. But in creation, he took an intentional break from creating on the seventh day. And he told us to follow his example and to take a day of rest. And so don't ever, don't ever rest from loving people. God doesn't rest from loving us and sustaining. And so don't rest from loving people and loving God. You always want to do that. But you and I, we need to give our bodies rest from what we call work. We need, to, we need to have rest daily, and we need to have rest weekly. We work six days, the Scripture teaches, in six days, and then we rest. And, and you know, you, you may have only five days of work in your life, but more than likely you have more work beyond your job. And so there's six days that God gives you to get all of that done. And then and he says, look, take some time to rest. Work really hard, and, you know, that's part of our job is to, is to work really hard. And if you work really hard, the reward of hard work at night is a good night of rest. 
Work and rest is 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 a is an act of uh, of it's a step of faith. It's an act of faith because for those that would say, I just need to keep working seven days and not ever take a rest, you're believing that somehow you have the power to produce more in those in that ongoing cycle of work than than to trust God with a day of rest. It's it's sort of like it doesn't make sense in our mind. Why would taking a day off be good? Seems like I'm missing out on the opportunity. It's sort of similar like giving. Why would I give because I'm losing something? How is God going to take care of me? It's, it's an act of faith, just like the work-rest principle is an act of faith. And we're not under the, the same laws that God's people were under. We're under grace, God's grace, so we don't need to be legalistic about this. But the principle of work and rest provides a cycle that God uses to renew us. And so if you're really burned out, make sure you're evaluating this area. When do you rest? When are you actually resting? Where you take a day and you, you set aside the demands that are on your life. When you just say, God, this is a day of rest and reflection and evaluation and prayer and extra time and, 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 and maybe extra time with my loved ones or just, I don't want to devote a day to where I, I just, I, I stop trying to produce something. And I just would encourage you to, to, to consider that area. Work hard and then rest. Also, for true burnout, consider this. Do what you can. Do what you can. Sometimes we can grind ourselves too far in life and slip into depression. And some people actually go so far that their bodies start shutting down. They have adrenal fatigue and some people just hit this point. They don't even know what's going on, and they're just, they, they're really, they start slipping physically and emotionally. And it's, it often comes from just the push, the push, the push, the grind. And maybe your industry has major push seasons. We, we do here in our church, for those on staff, there's major push seasons. And then you reach the end of that push season, we hit sort of the goals, and then we nearly collapse on the floor at the end of it. And that's, a lot of industries have that. A lot of of us have those major push seasons and some people hit dangerous low points in those push seasons there's they just go and go and go and then and then it's it's easy to sort of let go of normal routines like getting up out of bed like brushing our teeth like like just doing what we need to do in life some people have have described that adrenal failure and just they've they're trying to understand what what is happening to me there was several years ago where I think it was about six, seven years ago, where I hit I hit this point where I was overwhelmed with stress and anxiety, and there was something really hard I was trying to lead lead through here in, in church life, and I hit a point where I was just anxious, I was stressed, uh, I, and I couldn't sleep, and then I'd go to eat and I could hardly just eat, I couldn't choke food, I just felt nauseous about about what was going on and anxious. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. All I knew is I, that I just wanted to feel better, in a sense. And and I, what I didn't drop was I didn't drop time with God. And so I was reading, I was spending time in His Word. And, and the passage I came to, God really used to speak to me. And here's the passage. And it's, it's from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. And just to give you some of the story... Um, This is one of God's prophets. He had a major victory. His name was Elijah. And Elijah was 
sort of like the last of the prophets because what was happening in, in uh, amongst God's, God's people were the kings were pretty wicked and they were attracting all sorts of false advisors, false prophets. And so there was this massive uh, number of false prophets, the prophets of Baal, who were wanting to give advice to some of the leaders of God's people. And you can just guess where that's going to go. It's not going to go well if, if the kings are being advised by false prophets. When God has said, I am the only God. There's no other gods. Don't follow other gods. Well, when the king begins to allow others to speak into his life that are not you know, concerned with God and truth, problems were coming. Well, there's one prophet named Elijah, and he found himself sort of in this major showdown with 450 other prophets who were, they're both sort of like, who's, gonna, who's the king going to listen to? God's prophet Elijah or these 450 other prophets of Baal? And so Elijah gathers, um, they all gather in this valley, and there's this uh, sort of like a, a test of whose God is stronger that happens. And if you know the story in First Kings, basically, the prophets of Baal are given this altar and an opportunity to have their gods consume this offering. And Elijah says, go ahead, see if your God can light up this, this, this fire and, it, and consume this offering. And the prophets of Baal are doing their thing. They're singing, they're chanting, they're praying, they're doing what they do. And nothing happens to light up this, this offering. And they're not able to, their God is not able to respond. And all of the people of God are watching to see what's going to really happen here because they're beginning to wonder as well which God is mightier. Well, so the prophets of Baal can't get their fire to light up and this sacrifice to be consumed. And so Elijah, he, he creates an altar and he takes a stone, one for each of the tribes of Israel, places it around the altar, digs a trench and slaughters a bull and puts this bull on this altar. And the Bible says that Elijah instructed that the people start filling up jars of water to pour over this offering. And they're pouring water over this bowl. Well, why? Well, to prove a, a point. Because you can't light a fire when there's some water right there. And so they fill up this area with water, and then Elijah says, hey, do it another time. And so they do it again. And he says, do it a third time. So much so to where water is dripping over everything and it's filling up the trenches that had been built around the altar. And then God, and then Elijah calls out to God and God consumes this offering immediately. And everyone goes, whoa, that's, that's God. We're going to trust in that God. And then the false prophets went running for their lives. And Elijah and, and things get back in order at this point. Elijah chases down these false prophets and slaughters them. And what this ends up doing was, is it sends, uh, this, it sends this crazy lady named Jezebel. You can read the story if you want to read it in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Chasing after Elijah the prophet. She's, she's ticked off because she was, she's not a follower of God. So she goes chasing after Elijah, begins to threaten Elijah. Uh, she sends a message to Elijah through the king, basically saying, if by the end of today, uh, she basically said, by the end of today, you're going to be just like the rest of the prophets. I'm going to kill you. I'm chasing you down, Elijah. And so Elijah does what most of us would do. He ran. <laughs> and he took off running, and, and 
he's, he's fearing for his life. And he just saw God deliver in a mighty way, but then he's all of a sudden really afraid. So he's running away from this crazy lady, and now look at what happens. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. What he's experiencing is the highs and lows. He had this major victory, and then all of a sudden this crazy lady says, I'm going to kill you by the end of the day. And, he, he, and so he sits down under this tree, and he's like, he threw his hands up. God, I'm wiped out. I, I've, I've, have you ever been there where you're just wiped out? Not, maybe not in as much of a morbid sense like Elijah, but he's in a desperate and anxious place. He's just he's spent. It says this, then he lay down under a tree and he fell asleep. And this is actually what sometimes what we're tempted to do when we're wiped out and stressed is we're tempted to just sleep it off. And we want to turn to sleep as a, maybe a method to escape the way we're feeling. Maybe if I just sleep a little more, sleep in a little longer, take an extra day to sleep. He's starting to slip into what sort of looks like depression, you know. And it says all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. It says he ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. Then it says in verse 7, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And I remember reading those words, and I remember just a strong sense that God was saying, Josh, get up and eat. <laughs> get up and eat. And I, I remember eating a meal after I hadn't been able to really eat much for days and just God strengthening me through forcing myself to eat food. And I, I bring this up because I encourage you, sometimes you, you and I, we hit points in life where we want to drop the things that we can't drop. That you need to do what you can do. When you, if you're really slipping, you need to do what you can do. You need, you need to don't drop the basics. Do the next best thing. Keep moving. Battle exhaustion and depression by doing what you can. Brush your teeth. Eat your meals. Get up. Take a shower. Maybe you can't run, but maybe what you can do is maybe you can go on a walk. Pay your bills. Sometimes people hit points where they're just, it's so bad they're not paying their bills, and then it just snowballs the problems uh, that come up in future months. If that's you, do, do what you can. God used that to really strengthen me. It was interesting that, that season. I, was, I felt like God was speaking to me and giving me Sort of my marching orders every day through my quiet time. As I go to his word, he would give me the help I needed. And I would just, I'd recognize, okay, I need to keep going here. And God renewed me, renewed my strength actually with that first meal. That might sound extreme, but some of you may be able to really identify uh, with, with the example in the scripture or what I was sharing even. Here's another way to come back from, from burnout is grieve your losses. Grieve losses. Sometimes in the midst of busy seasons, tragedy strikes, like loss strikes unexpectedly. No one of us ever expect loved ones to die. No one, no one is ever prepared really for grief. And, and, and so a lot of times when grief hits, and I'm not just talking about death, but maybe the death of something, maybe the death of a relationship or something has, that you had assumed has just totally unraveled and, and and you're grieving. And some people, when that happens, in the busyness of life, we just distract ourselves with more work. And we just keep going. If we think, well, if I just work harder, it'll all feel better. Or if I just shove it down and ignore it, maybe it'll go away. But 
I just encourage you to pay attention to those feelings of loss. And whenever they come up, just pray about them. Have a, have a plan. I would say a, a good plan would be to pray about them, to process them. Ask God to give you a strategy like a verse or a, a truth to cling to as you process. Shed tears. Walk through that. And then keep moving forward. And as, whenever those feelings come up again, again, walk through that, that process of prayer and, and of processing with God's word. And, and then, again, grieving as you need to, but, but to keep moving forward. To take the time to grieve losses. Here's another. Reopen your heart. With burnout comes distance from people. Oftentimes, we just... We get burned out and then we just we put distance between ourselves and we 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 end up finding ourselves isolated or or dropping out of groups that were helpful for us or dropping out of ministry that was helpful for us. We stop serving, we stop having fellowship, we stop relating, we we step out of community, we stop sharing what's really going on and we just we close our heart from being honest with people. And when we're burned out, we, we lose our passion, our purpose. And so we, we have to do something to fight the numbing effect and, and move back towards people and move back towards the purposes that God has given us. So step, I just encourage you, step back into community, step back into relationships, step back into serving. And then last, play your role. Play your role. Oftentimes we burn out because we're doing too much in life. We're trying, we're trying to play all sorts of roles, but we're not, we're not necessarily zeroing in on anything. And so being available to everyone or trying to be in control of everything is a recipe for wearing down and, and wearing others down to where you won't even be helpful to anyone. Moses is a good example of this. After God brought the people of Israel out of captivity in Egypt, they're wandering through the desert some would say a million and a half to three million people wandering in the wilderness, and Moses is the leader. And as the leader, his responsibility was to solve problems when, when people would have problems. And so if, if I'm an Israelite and I have a problem because my neighbor took my sheep, and I'm convinced that was my sheep because I remember a, a black spot on his back, and now that sheep is with him, or, or, or he took something of mine, or we got into an argument, and somebody needs to settle this problem. Moses was the one to settle everyone's problems. And so, what Moses would do is every day he would sit out and he would set up shop. I imagine him just sitting down, and a long line of people would come and bring their problems from all these, you know. Now, not everybody's got a problem, but you can imagine just this giant, horrendous, long waiting line. Think like DMV plus like. Magic Mountain ride waiting, Disneyland ride waiting, and just, but again, to, to solve problems, interpersonal problems, or ask questions. He's the judge of all the people. Well, Moses' father-in-law comes into town, has dinner with Moses, and the next morning he sees this large line of people forming, and he asks Moses, what's happening? And he says, well, this is what we do here. Everyone shows up and gets in line and asks me their problems. They ask me their questions, and this is his father-in-law's response to Moses. Moses' father-in-law, his name was Jethro. Jethro replied, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Oh, every, I sit down and every, all of these people just sit here and, and they come and stand in line and I solve their problems. Jethro's, 
what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. He's saying, look, you're burning yourself out, and you're going to burn all them out. Who wants to wait for days to get their sheep back? Who wants to wait for days to get this problem solved? No one wants to stand in this long line, Moses. And then he gives them a strategy. Listen. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. Jethro tells him, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Moses, you've got a pretty important responsibility. You need to pray. You're the representative. You, you need to represent all these people and bring their overall concerns, the sense that, of what's happening in this community. You need to bring those concerns to God. And then he says this, teach them the decrees and laws, show them the way to live and the duties they're to perform. He's, he said, you're, you're to pray and you're to teach God's laws to these people. Beyond that, you can't sit there and wait on every, you can't have personal one-on-one meetings with everybody that has a question for Moses. Verse 21, here's the strategy. He says, but select capable men from all the people who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He just basically says, Moses, you have to develop people. You have to work through people. You can't do it all on your own. You've got to play your role, Moses. And so maybe in your life, that's a question to ask. Am I playing my role? Do I even know what my role is? Or am I trying to do a little too much? Am I doing my role plus their role plus their role plus their role? What is my role? Now this passage has been ex- exactly what I needed to hear this year to get perspective on how to structure my life and to help my staff structure their lives and their workflow and understand their roles. And this also helping us think through how we want our our group leaders to structure their lives and their ministry roles because every one of us has limitations. And just as Jethro would say to Moses, what you're doing is not good. Sometimes we can look at each other's lives and say, this ain't very good and effective if we, if we keep trying to do it this way. And so play your role. And think, you want to think through that in your own life and in, in, in your own specific situation. But be strategic in what you're doing. Get real clear on what your assignment in life is, what your role is is what you're capable of doing. I'm so thankful that God, he wants to step in and restore us when we're burning out or running on fumes. As I wrap up, here's a real helpful reminder. In our brokenness, God wants to help us. He wants to restore us. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love this promise. God is near. He's not distant. As we admit we need his help, he's right there. He wants to help. This verse reminds us, he, he saves the crushed. Burning out reminds us we're fragile. The fact is we're broken. When we find ourselves broken like this, God can then do his work in and through us that he doesn't do when we're full of ourselves and trying to do life on our own. So if you feel burnt out or high stress or frustration, admit to God, this is where I'm at, God. I need your help. I'm turning to you right now. Despite our weaknesses, God can work in and through us. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage. This is my prayer for all of us, that God will show us our own limitations and and the reality of the help that he can bring as we really ask him and seek him. So why don't you consider some of the next steps you can take and and, and let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your your kindness to us, your great love. 
Thank you for the, uh, the principles that we can draw from people in, your, in the Bible, leaders that have, have led, uh, people that have struggled, that uh, their stories were written down and passed on, that we could learn and, and identify and, and uh, put into practice the, uh, the perspectives and the truths that, that you give. Lord, thank you for being the everlasting God who never burns out. God, right now, many of us are in the room feeling uh, fatigue and and stress and anxiety and feeling a sense of of, uh, even just uh, even disconnection or cynicism or feeling pulled in, in too many directions. God, I pray that we would turn to you first. We stay regularly drawing strength from you, going to you for uh, for wisdom, for insight. Lord, I, we, we look to you, God, to meet all of our needs. We thank you, Lord, that you never uh, run out of, of strength. You never are in short supply of power or might. Lord, remind us often, and even this week, as we launch into a new week, Lord, to turn to you, God, before anyone else. We, we ask that you help us to to go to you, to run to you. We thank you for your, your very real help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.